0: So your visual identity is everything, everything that people see when they look at you. This could be that tumbler that you're carrying that says I'm a hot mess. It could be the shoes you're wearing, the glasses you chose to put on. What people look at you and how this goes into how you walk, how you carry yourself. People will come up with their own idea about what that means.
1: Hey there story sister. When was the last time you took a good look in your closet and asked yourself, how do these clothes actually make me feel? If you've never thought about the impact of fashion psychology on your personal and professional story, then today's episode is for you. My guest on the podcast today is visual identity coach Rebecca Rowe. And Rebecca's story path has led her from New York City and Paris, France, to the fashion runways of Vancouver and Toronto. So today, she helps women understand themselves better, build habits they love, and create a wardrobe to tell the world who they are without even having to speak. So in today's episode, Rebecca and I talk about how to make bold fashion choices that make us look And feel our best, as well as the connection between confidence and risk-taking. Plus, we also talk about the pros and cons of having a product-based business versus a service-based business. So be sure to stick around right to the end of today's episode. That's when I'll be sharing my top 10 takeaways from my conversation with Rebecca. And I'll also be posting those same takeaways inside our free Power Your Platform Facebook group. So I hope you'll join us there after the show. To join the Facebook group, simply click on the show notes or visit powerherplatform.com forward slash community. For now, let's get ready to create a more powerful visual identity with Rebecca Rowe. Welcome to Power Your Platform, the podcast for women who are building bold story brands. I'm your host and story coach, Carrie Ramsey. Each week, we'll explore big ideas about brand building and shine a spotlight on courageous women just like you who are owning their story, following their purpose, and changing the world. Whether you're a story starter, a story builder, or a story pro, this podcast is for you. I'll help you move your mindset from uncertain to unstoppable and provide you with the storytelling tools you need to make a real impact because we all have a story to tell and somewhere someone is waiting to hear yours. Join us each week for inspiring interviews, aha moments and step-by-step action plans that will provide the framework to help you create your very own purpose-driven platform. Are you with me? All right, it's time to power up. Hey there, Rebecca,
0: and welcome to
1: the Power Your Platform podcast. I am so excited to get to know
0: you better today. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I was just saying that you're one of my go-to walk podcasts. So (laughs) Now let me
1: ask, do you walk alone? Do you have an
0: animal with you? Because when I listen to podcasts, I am walking my dog usually. I started out by walking my dog and then um well it was my mom's dog. So when I moved out of my mom's house, I lost the dog, but I kept the walking. So now I walk to work or I walk to the gym or I walk everywhere because uh I do not have a car and I have zero interest in learning how to drive a car. So that's
1: <laughs> I love it. And you know what? That's one of the best ways that I consume podcasts as well because that's the cool thing, right? We're on the move, we're we're listening to things so. Just before, as we're diving into the conversation today, we should mention you were in a cafe, which looks so beautiful and quaint because you and I are connecting today via Zoom. So if we hear ambient sounds, it's just people having a good time. So I I love it. I actually am very jealous and it looks like a very cozy cafe today. Um, But I am fascinated by the work that you do with visual identity and fashion, of course. Tell us a little bit about the path that led you to where you are
0: now. Well, it's actually pretty funny because I didn't actually know it was on the path until I was like smacked up in the middle of it or actually at a crossroads. So I was homeschooled and my mom installed this huge need for learning. Like there wasn't even a want at that point. She really installed this like really passionate uh, need for learning and really understanding human behavior. History was something that she's super passionate about. So I started out with history and then really got into my own with human behavior and human psychology. And I really didn't think anything of it. I was just like, oh, I'm just like good in this class. Like, okay. Like I'm in high school. Like, I was just like, yeah, I like A's. We're fine. Um, And then I continued on, went to university for fashion design and thought, oh, I'm going to be a fashion designer. This is what I want. I've always wanted to help women feel good when they look in the mirror. And I thought the way to get there was through making clothing. Um, And then it, it really wasn't until I started diving into my own business and started writing content that I was like no, no no this is about the psychology of clothing which I didn't even realize was a like a form of study all on its own until I really got into it but that's how it found me
1: that's so cool i've never heard that phrase the psychology of clothing so explain a little bit more what the psychology of fashion or of clothing is all about
0: so psychology of clothing is really the study of how clothing <laughs> makes you feel um, or how clothing affects your thoughts so women or like women i i work with women. I haven't opened the line for men just because it's not who I am, but humans in general uh, are by nature inherently selfish. So I say that I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just, it's what we is. Uh, we look at ourselves when we walk by a window or in a mirror or on our phones or in Zoom, uh, we will naturally start looking at ourselves. And the psychology of clothing is what we start thinking when we see ourselves. And it's been so ingrained in us now to look at ourselves and be like, I'm a failure. I'm a mess. I'm, oh, I'm not good enough. I am not good enough is the most Googled question. Why am I not good enough? Yeah. Which is insane. It's insane. Um, and it's crazy to think that when you look at yourself in the clothing, in clothing, and that's, you know, you're looking at yourself in the mirror and you think, oh, I'm a slob or I'm a mess. Right. And so the psychology of clothing really goes into what clothes make you feel or how they make you think Mm. I was
1: I was listening or reading something the other day about someone who was talking about this phrase, I'm a hot mess, right? And how you know it's actually become a part of women culture now. And 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 the question was around why is that okay? Why, why do we feel we need to constantly feel we're a mess. We're, we're not. I mean we're not perfect, but I'm not sure we're a complete mess all the time. But it's it's so acceptable now for women to beat themselves up almost and, and make a joke of it. And it's it's interesting because at the beginning it was kind of like, oh that's that's cute, that's funny, but there's cultures around the fact that women are hot messes now. And I'm like, I'm not sure I'm okay in buying into that.
0: <laughs> it's almost like it's okay because it's kind of a backhanded compliment. Like I have yet to meet a woman who is a quote-unquote hot mess right (laughs) like and like they'll they'll carry around a like a a tumbler full of coffee that says I'm a hot mess but they're not they're there with like three kids or two kids and they're going to work or they're an entrepreneur and they're in school like we do a lot and there's this invisible workload that women Mm -hmm. seem to take on even if they have the most supportive partner in the world there's this extra layer of okay well what do you want me to do babe and you're like yeah i want you to know that the dishwasher needs to be undone i don't need to tell you (laughs) um and it's all of that extra little stuff that adds up and then when we don't get to all of the stuff that's what starts the whole oh well i'm a mess
1: yeah I i have yet to see a guy carrying a mug with the words i'm a hot mess on it right It's not the guys that are doing that. And so, yeah, it's one of those things. When you mentioned that, I thought, yeah, we need to stop, you know, identifying as messes. And so let's sort of transition to this idea then of visual identity, because I know that this is a big part of what you talk about. You know, what is this concept of visual identity? Obviously, it feeds, you know, through this idea of the psychology of clothing. But can you identify a little bit more what that
0: term means? So your visual identity is everything, everything that people see when they look at you. This could be that tumbler that you're carrying that says I'm a hot mess. It could be the shoes you're wearing, the glasses you chose to put on. Um, For me, it's like a shaker bottle. What people look at you and how this goes into how you walk, how you carry yourself. People will come up with their own idea about what that means. And this goes straight into the reptilian part of your brain. So like, you know, when you're walking along the street and it's dark outside and you see someone coming towards, towards you and you feel a little bit uncomfortable, there's a reason you feel uncomfortable. And it's the part of your brain that goes, no, 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 this is not okay. I don't know why it's not okay. It's something about how they're walking. It's something about the way that they move. Something about them is telling you, you need to not be here. Mm. It's that feeling. So it's that part of the brain that we're trained to understand and identify things in our surroundings. So, your visual identity is just how do we want people to see you? And that's everything. That's more than just style. That's, like I said, that's everything you carry, down to the phone you're holding in your hand. Because if you're carrying an iPhone 4 or a flip phone, They know that you're not really into like the social media game or you're not an influencer. Mind you, if you have like the hottest new phone that's been out for 10 minutes and you always have a new phone, then that says something else else about you. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, for sure. So then how does that feed into the work that you do? And tell us about who it is that you serve and
0: how you serve them with regards to this whole notion of visual identity. So the people that I serve are those women who are fighting to get to that next level they're they're done being a hot mess they want to get to that next one and they don't really know why they feel stuck and it could be things that oh well who am I getting dressed up for or they say things like I no one ever listens to me it's those women that I'm like like here to serve like I got your back this is how we're gonna help um and it's because I train them on how to be confident. Because as far as I'm concerned, confidence is a learned behavior. And you learn confidence by trusting yourself and you trust yourself first by loving yourself. So it's this whole back thing where if we keep going back further into the whys of these, you know, Pinterest memes of like, just love yourself today. You're like, cool, how do I do that? So instead of just being like, oh, you need the better style to get back to, you know, up level at work, we go further. Okay, well, what are your priorities? Like I said, I walk a lot. My priorities are I need to be warm and I need to be comfortable. That means I'm walking to work in a pair of sweatpants because it's minus 24 outside. I'm okay with that because my priorities are walking. Right. Yeah. And it doesn't make me any less confident. In fact, it makes me more confident because I trusted myself enough to get myself to work on time. Mm -hmm. So that's who I'm really looking to help. And that's how I help. And I'm sorry, I forgot the first part of your question. Yeah. It's just how really...
1: Who you serve, but then
0: also how you serve them with this concept of visual identity. Oh, so the how is really good by getting in with either one-on-one work, if they're not really comfortable in a group setting, or I'm offering a course. And so we're working together in a group setting because a lot of the times having that community around you, that's all going through the same thing is super powerful. Because everyone seems to think that, like, and myself included, I've done this too, where I'm like, no, no, my problem is unique. Like, no one else has my problem. And it's so empowering just to be in a place where the woman across from me is like, dude, I know exactly what you feel. I got you. I, And then you can text them. That's when you start building that community and texting them and be like, hey. you know I couldn't find a pair of jeans today or I'm wearing three different sizes of jeans what the heck and you're like yes I know I've been there I've done this
1: and I love when you talk about that idea of peeling back the layers and even in terms of fashion as Canadians we are the ultimate layering people aren't we we're so good at you know layering with fashion but like Uh, You know, from a deconstruction point of view, as you talk about getting to the core of why we, why we act the way we act or why we don't act, you know, what's holding us back. um, You know, that core idea of confidence, I feel is something that, you know, we don't, I don't know that there is a magic formula at this point, be more confident in these three steps, you know, it's, there's so much more to it. And I think at the heart of it, you touched on this idea of self-acceptance you know, this, we have to kind of arrive at a place, I think, where we are okay with who we are. And then, of course, the other part is that letting go of other people's opinions, which is really tough. But even in your business, it's really all about confidence, isn't it? Even though we can change things that are happening on the outside with fashion or accessories or, you know, our look,
0: really, if we don't feel confidence at our core, it doesn't matter what we wear, does it? Exactly. It's exactly that. And, Honestly, it has nothing really to do with the clothes you wear. It has everything to do with how you feel in the clothes that you wear. And that like, that goes back centuries. Like since humans have been writing down their history, we have adorned our bodies in some way, whether it's with tattoos or piercings or jewelry or clothing, like special clothing, it goes back into like the confidence, but also using these clothes as tools right. to help with the confidence. Yeah. Right. Because, if you are unconfident, or if you lack the self-esteem that you're wanting, looking yourself in the mirror and telling yourself, okay, today I'm going to be confident means nothing. Your brain is not going to be like, okay, cool. Today we're confident. Like, that's not how that works because your brain is like, you're no, no, we've been, we've been have that low self-esteem for 20 years. You think we're just going to, flip a switch and now we're confident. Oh, cool. Why didn't anyone tell me that 10 years ago? Right. Um, so
1: let's say someone's listening to that right now and they're like, but I do want to be confident. You know, um, one of the things that we're starting to do on this podcast, as you and I have discussed a little bit is giving people power moves, things that they can really start to do to move forward because you're right. Um, you know, if we've been, had these built up stories in our head for 20 years, that have put us in this place where we feel less than or like a hot mess. What are what's something that we could actually leave with the audience today? Although you and I are going to keep talking, this podcast isn't over by any means, but you know, what is something that someone could start doing today to move past that, you
0: know, or or out of that story or beyond it? Well, I want the listener. So if you're listening. And I want you to stop for a second and think, what is the piece of clothing that people have said to me, you look really pretty, or you look really strong, or what's that piece of clothing that made you feel confident? It could be a suit. It could be a dress. It could be, uh, if, it, if it's your wedding dress and have it be your wedding dress. I want you to think about that piece of clothing and I want you to put it on. And for a week, it doesn't have to be the same piece of clothing, but for a week, I want you to get dressed every single morning not in the, I give up clothes or the at-home clothes. Like we all, I have a pair of them too, and they're fantastic. It's a triple XL hoodie and I love it. And I love it for when I'm at home and I want to feel comforted and it is a beautiful piece of cloth, but the clothes that I wear during the day, depending on what I'm doing, are there to make me feel like I can get stuff done. So all I want you to do is get up, and change out of the clothes that you were sleeping in and put on clothes that you feel like you look good in, mm-hmm. and whatever that means to you um, and I want you to just see how more productive you are during that week I want you to note how many times you look at, at yourself looking at yourself in the mirror or in in your phone or in any sort of reflective surface and just be like I look cute today <laughs> and it doesn't and have to and- be I look beautiful it, ha- it just like I, like I look something positive
1: yeah, and I love that you said, what, what was an outfit that you felt brave in or that you felt, you know, maybe successful in, right? All of those things, because I think that brave is beautiful. I think courageous, successful, all those things are beautiful. And, and I know that that's really at the heart of what you're teaching here is that it's more than, you know, what we look at in the mirror. It's all of us that we bring to that image,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. and the moment you start thinking of that about yourself you don't care what people think and I know it sounds like this cliche like oh just don't care what people think because we will but if you like who you are when you look in the mirror you're like oh I I don't care so like on a days like uh, maybe not daily but on a weekly basis I get referred to as quote-unquote manly or like masculine because I work out and I'm tall if I want to look feminine, then I put on a dress. Like, it's very, like, I, it almost, I don't even hear what people are saying. And in fact, sometimes I don't hear it. And it's my friends who are like, whoa, you can't talk to her like that. But I'm like, I don't care. And I don't care because I know what I look like. And I, and I'm confident in who I am. And this is what I like to do. So I'm making it a priority to look like this.
1: So interesting. And when you say the word manly, like even qualities, like you talked about working out, why is working out manly? why is being healthy in our body manly? That's, that is feminine. Like, it's so it's kind of like reclaiming some of these traits that you're right. At a certain point you do, and I am of the age now where I'm like, I don't even listen to stuff like that. It's so ill-informed that I just feel sorry for people who attach labels that make no sense, right? So it's kind of, it is freeing when you get to that stage. And I'm not sure if that's an age thing or just, you know, it's enough life experience. And you're like, Um, That doesn't even make sense. Letting go of that opinion.
0: (laughs) I think you need to give yourself more credit because it does take some serious reflective work and being like, yeah, I'm okay with this.
1: Yeah, I love it. Now, let me ask about color because um, color also has a psychology to it. And so let's say someone's looking through their closet and they're like, these clothes make me feel powerful. These make me feel bold. These make me feel like you said, what was it? I've given up. (laughs) I love that. I love that. I definitely have some i've given up clothes in my closet how does color factor into that
0: color is going to factor in differently for different people especially how they've been raised different cultures have different associations with different colors so like one really popular example is uh that in the chinese culture you get married in red because it's lucky um same with indian culture i believe um whereas like for us we're like red stop that's a bold color big and like that's what we see if we see a stop sign Um, and there's also that question of oh well what color looks good on my skin tone all of this kind of plays into our decision about color but for the most part the colors that make you feel confident are whatever colors make you feel confident. Mm
1: -hmm. I have a friend
0: who loves hot pink loves it well has a hot pink suit like a full-on 80s style jacket and matching pants she looks phenomenal in it and it's less about the color and more about the cut Cause she will wear that hot pink suit in the boardroom and she will command the boardroom and like no man can say anything to her cause she knows her stuff, but she's in a hot pink suit. So what makes color professional? What makes color brave? It, it really is so much of an individual journey on that side. If you're looking about like just sort of the psychology of colors, there's tons just on our exterior that browns and um, muted colors make us feel more soft and like more comforted and like more grounded whereas like black seems very harsh but when it comes to the clothes in your wardrobe it's more important that the fit is on point as far as I'm concerned the fit and the shape of the clothing will make you feel brave or make you feel empowered or um sexy or whatever
1: so interesting, as you were talking about color, I was actually thinking about Iris Apfel, who is actually one of my fashion icons. Not that She's I, amazing. Like I mean, I don't dress like her at all, but I love the, I don't care kind of attitude. It's like, this is me and she owns who she is. And I think that she kind of gives permission to women everywhere, no matter what their style or their look is to just be that, and you know, and that's okay, you know, own it, be it and
0: move on. Right. <laughs> and that's, that's the gold standard. Like that's where I think we're all trying to get to. And like, it's what I do is just accepting that there's more background work. Like if, if this is something that's been playing in your brain for so many years, then yeah, it's hard to rewire, but like, we're going to get there. We're getting to the Irish level. I'm going yeah. <laughs> using that as like expert level.
1: Iris is the gold standard. I totally agree. Um, So let's shift gears a little bit now. I know that you have some experience moving from the product side of the business to the service side. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Because I think there's some listeners, especially those who have businesses, uh, and maybe they've considered doing this. Um, Can you
0: give us an example of how you've done this and what it looks like? So I Ran my clothing design business for six years. Um, I have a clothing label and I was making all of the products in-house. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of work. I will admit to any product maker out there, guys, like we do a lot of work, (laughs) but service is not easier. And that's, I think is the biggest misconception um, with whenever, because when we're on the product side, we're staring at these services that are like man, all you have to do is like sell a course and then you can sell the course forever and ever. And this is ridiculous. Why is it so hard for me? And those are some of the questions that go through our brains. But uh, coming, going through that step, I'm going to have to say, you have to want it. Like You have to have a reason that you're willing to move into services because uh, it's also challenging. <laughs> it's challenging in a very different way. Products, for the most part, It's easier to scale. So it's easier to scale because you get someone to make your products. And once you get someone else making your products, then you just keep selling products and you sell them in bigger batches and you sell them to stores. And the formula is relatively simple. Like to scale, you make more, you sell more, period. When you're selling a service, you are not only dealing with a whole slew of new tools so more than just like, for me, it was like my sewing machine and my iron. Those are tools that I can tangibly hold. Now I'm trying to figure out SEO and uh, like creating a course software. And I was like, oh my gosh, w- what is all of this? Um, but the one thing I will say is that if you're drawn to helping people in a way that goes beyond giving them something then this is what you should do. And mm-hmm. one of the questions that got me into this was I had a coach and she said to me, are you a fashion designer with a message or are you a messenger who happens to be a fashion designer? And yeah. if the answer is you're a messenger, then just go for it. Because the longer you wait, the harder it's going to be. It's harder to it's hard to let go of that piece of you that makes things. And I mean, you have to let go of it one way or another because in my opinion, especially in fashion, to make enough of a wage in fashion. Either you have to be in a very, very specific couture or bridal level clothing, or you need to have someone else making your pieces because uh, there's, there's just not enough hours in the day.
1: What's the reason that you switched from the product? Uh, you know, what was the why? And, and obviously it sounds like it's because you answered that question she asked, that you are a messenger who just happens to be a fashion creator. Um, you know, is that is that the reason you made that switch? And if so, what is the message that you're
0: looking to communicate to the rest of the world? So my message has always been the same. It's always to help women love what they see when they look in the mirror. Um, I made the switch because no one is offering this course. I have looked, I have looked and looked and looked to find. i've done all of the competitive analysis and i have seen the self-help junkies i have seen the motivational speakers i've seen everyone and no one talks about clothes and i'm like but you wear clothes every day and no one tells you how to get dressed yeah and the closest i've gotten to is marie kondo she wrote the art of tidying up and she does touch on clothing but in a very way that like marie and i are gonna have to have a conversation about it Um, But I decided to switch because I can see the need and I got to the point with my own career where you know when the universe starts just shoving things in your face that's kind of where I got to where I was fighting silly things like my sewing machine breaking for no reason and like I fixed it like in every but like little things like that started popping up where I had a seamstress quit unexpectedly um everything was pushing me into moving into a visual identity coach and I fought this tooth and nail I did not want to be a coach I did not want to be quote-unquote just another life coach and uh it finally got to the point where I was like I was hired as a coach uh part-time in a um in a fitness uh, Facebook group and after seeing the impact I was able to have with some of these women, I I knew that it was just time.
1: Yeah, impact can be very motivating for sure. So let me ask you um, as well, what are sort of the parts of your story do you feel that make you a great visual identity coach? Obviously there's your background in fashion, but you know, are there parts of your story that you realize now were preparing you for what you do today?
0: Yeah, I think a lot of my story and like, a lot of my story blends really well into the fashion story because I've, I've almost made it blend really well into the fashion story um but i so i went to school for fashion design in new york in new york city and then also in paris uh in france that whole thing is another story i transferred because i actually have a British citizenship so it's uh at the time this is this is dating me this is how old i am um, at the time english was still part of the eu um so i was able to go to paris as a european citizen even though i do not sound british at all um and my time in paris i have never felt more like an outsider in my entire life and it is because every single day you get outside and i was called the american that was my nickname for walking on the street People would just uh, yell out to me, the American, because I'm am tall and I'm broad. I have visible tattoos and uh, I do not look French by any stretch of the imagination. And that was, it's such just, it's just a strange feeling to feel like an outsider because I mentioned I was homeschooled. So in high school, I never really had anyone I was comparing myself to because it was just, just me and my brothers. So having that experience in still a relatively young age, um, definitely started preparing me for, okay, well, how do I want to be perceived? Because I do not want to be known as the American, no offense Americans, Um, but I'm not American. I'm not Canadian. I'm more than just, you know, the stamp in my passport. How do I want to be perceived? And that's where I really started taking this into account. I cut my hair real short, like pixie cut. And I think it was actually this American hairstylist who i went to because i was like perfect you sound like me you're gonna know what i want i want my hair long enough that so i can put it in a ponytail and he bought out like clippers and i had a heart attack in the chair watching him do this I and mean, like oh my lanta this is going to be terrible and uh he cut all my hair off he cut all of my hair off and then three days later uh, i cried a lot um i looked at myself in the mirror and i go i look like a fashion designer Mm. And so I started dressing like a fashion designer, which led me to getting, I got two or three internships while I was in Paris. Um, And I started acting different because of a really short haircut.
1: (laughs) Isn't that amazing? When you talk about also that idea of being um, the other, right? I mean, I can also identify, I taught English in Finland for a period of time where I didn't speak the language. And I was definitely, I felt isolated and it was such an interesting and character forming experience. I look back on that time and I know that when I look around a room and I see people who are a bit, you know, on the fringes, my heart goes to them automatically because I remember what it felt like to be that, that person. So I think that you're right. All these parts of our story, just they snowball into this, you know, incredible, um, experience that we carry with us then wherever we go and it makes us great at what we do and because I think sometimes it's it's empathy really that's at the heart of it isn't it so wow what an experience to have gone through so let us know a little bit about what's coming up what's exciting for
0: you what are you working on right now that you can share with us so I've actually just launched my visual identity program um as well as a wardrobe edit which can be done either virtually or in person if you're in the Ottawa area. So that is where we dive into your habits, your priorities, your personal style, and we develop a formula. So I know I'm, this sounds like math, but it is like the balance and the texture and all of the mathematical science that goes into creating your visual identity. We create that formula for you so that you're never taking a Pinterest quiz ever again. Um, now your body shape may change but the proportions don't for the most part like your waist will always be where your waist is doesn't matter the size your shoulders will always be where your shoulders are doesn't matter the size there's certain things about your physicality that do not change and we just build that formula so that you're never asking that again now through this course what happens is you also get more self-confident you also start spreading out or taking more risks which just spreads out your luck right so the more surface area you can cover with risk the better chance you have it at gaining what you want um so that is a three-month course uh the first round of it is going to be starting at the beginning of april and then i will be opening it again in september so that's the most exciting thing i'm really excited about that one um, and again that's a hybrid of one-on-one coaching where you're working directly with me but also within a small group i'm only taking uh Five applicants um, because I do want it to still be an intimate experience and make sure that everyone has enough time with me as well as uh, with each other and going through all this course material and yeah that's that's what's big on my
1: horizon and I think someone today most likely just had this you know a little bit of an epiphany that visual identity first of all is a thing and perhaps even you know thought of some ways that they also are moving through life whether it is you know looking at themselves a little too judgmentally or not or caring too much about what others think and you know there's all these components that you're talking about today that would be really valuable for someone to learn more about so where do people go to find
0: out more about you and the work you do so you can find out more on my website. It's just RebeccaRowe.ca, R-E-B-E-C-C-A-R-O-W-E, like row your boat, um, but with an E on the end. Uh, I also hang out on Instagram, TikTok, all with the same uh, handle, so Row.ca. And yeah, but all the, all the magic happens in my email list, which you can join on my website.
1: Excellent. So we will make sure to link to that in the show notes. And I want to thank you, Rebecca, for taking the time to talk to us about this today. It's an area that I'm not familiar with. So... I mean, I love these connections and conversations because I always learn. And I know that our audience uh, certainly did learn some new things today as well. So thanks so much for taking the time to
0: share your insights and your wisdom with us. Thank you so much for having me. This has been such a pleasure and I love your questions. They were great. So enjoy your day.
1: Did anyone else look down at their outfit during today's episode and wonder what made me choose this today? (laughs) I know I did. And honestly, I'm rethinking quite a few of the items inside my closet right now and wondering what the reason was that I put them there in the first place. So thanks for the inspiration, Rebecca. As promised, here are my top 10 takeaways from today's conversation with Rebecca Rowe. Number one the psychology of clothing is the study of how fashion makes us feel and how we think about ourselves number two at some point most if not all women struggle with feeling like they're not good enough but the truth is that we're everything we need to be just the way we are number three reconsidering negative labels attached to female culture is important if we're going to reclaim our confidence and step into the powerful lives we're meant to lead. Number four, visual identity is all about how we want people to perceive us, from the clothes that we wear to the way we carry ourselves when we walk into a room. Number five, finding a coach or a group of women who will listen to our insecurities and our fears is empowering because when we do, we discover we're not alone. Number six, self-acceptance is the key to unlocking our next confidence level. Number seven, clothing is a tool that helps us build a more confident image and helps us become the woman that we're always meant to be. Number eight, When you're feeling discouraged, get up and put on some clothes that make you feel bold and courageous, and then watch how your day changes. Number nine, when you like who you are, when you look in the mirror, you begin to stop caring so much about the opinion of everyone else. Number 10, when we own the way we look and who we are, it gives permission to others to do the same. So thanks so much for listening in to today's podcast episode. I hope that you had at least one aha moment today. And if you did, then take a moment to take a screenshot and share this episode with your own followers. We would love it if you would tag Power Your Platform and Rebecca Rowe when you do, because we'd love to share your key takeaways with our own audience. Until next time, remember to own your story Follow your purpose and raise your voice because the world is waiting to hear your story.